0: Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that connects you to cyclists all over the world and makes indoor training fun. There are structured workouts, training plans that are really easy to follow, online group rides, and why not try a few races? You can also organize a meetup with a bunch of friends. You might just have to make your own coffee at the end. With Zwift, you can even listen to this podcast while you ride around the Champs-Élysées. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free 7-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com, right on.
1: it's uh, bonjour 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 for the Zwift Cycling Central podcast yes I've learned my lesson uh, and today as uh, yesterday I'm joined with Matthew Kinnan, how are you Kino?
0: I'm great and every time I see that introduction in the 90 years of the Mali Rosa the pink jersey and morphing from generation to generation the hairs on my arm stand up I love that piece. I know
1: and it's, uh, no, look at the technology in terms of the image processing they are now able to produce something so beautiful so nice yeah it's it brilliant.
0: Is magnificent it really is
1: so, we are joined on the line with Matilda Reynolds, which will be our live guest with us today. How are you, Matilda?
2: Hi, team. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to talk
0: about cycling. <laughs> Something uh, new for you. Don't do that too often, huh?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> on and off uh- the bike.
1: Amazing job at the, the Warney. How tough is that race?
2: Yeah, it's just so unpredictable. It goes for 270 kilometers. So there's just so much that can happen. And um, it is a relatively flat uh, course, but there's very, very open to the conditions. And of course, it's raced with uh, the men as well and the, the NRS. And the this year, it had the addition of the Australian Pursuit team also being there before they locked down for their final Olympic preparations. So, yeah, it was It's a very nervous bunch um, because it can go for so long and um, you never really know how it's going to go, whether the break will win or very uh, probably not predicted this year that, uh, you know, there was such a big bunch that came into the line together. So, yeah, very challenging race, but it's always just a huge relief just to finish it, let alone win it.
0: Matilda, it's a race with huge history dating back to 1895. And I felt like the past few editions, the race had lost a little bit of its shine, a little bit of its polish. But this year to me, Christoph, I'm not sure if you agree, it seemed to be the rebirth of the race. Did it feel like that in the race?
2: I think it really helped having the live coverage. That was a huge boost uh, at the, for the end of the race there. And I think um, there was a lot of groundswell. It was, you know, at one point it wasn't sure it was going to go ahead. They did incredibly well to reschedule the race after there was a lockdown in February in Melbourne. So I think there was a lot of appetite to tick that race off um, finally for the year. And just the level of competitiveness in the men's and women's pelotons across the country at the moment is at the highest standard. And so I think there's just such a huge appetite for racing. And it was just a, a huge build, um, you know, it was taken it was taken really seriously by everyone. And as you say, Kino, like it's amazing the history of that race where you don't think Australia has really deep history of cycling when this is actually the second oldest cycling classic in the world, which is incredible when you look at all the European countries that we host that and hold it here in, in Australia. So, yeah, it's very honoured to be on that list and um, hopefully it can continue to go from strength to strength.
0: It is a cool stat and I love that it is something that, as Matilda said, Christoph, we sometimes overlook our own history and we do have a rich history. There's this old saying, Matilda, and Christoph, you might have heard this as well, nobody ever changed their mind as a result of losing an argument. (laughs) Heading into the Melbourne to Warnable, my argument was that it would be great if we had a men's race and a women's race. And then I'm not sure if you saw it, but after Matilda won the race, she did an interview and she spoke about racing with the men and women together and Matilda... I lost the argument. You actually (laughs) changed my mind. You you won me over. I like the idea of the men and the women staying together. Give us your rationale.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with some of the points um, you and Mac were making around potentially for the race to continue to evolve. There should be different uh, races for the men and the women. However, I just think it can really lean into the opportunity that this race is one of the only in the world where everyone gets to race together. So it's not about the men. It's not about the women. It's not about A grade, B grade, C grade. It's everyone starting on the, ra- the line together and it's whoever makes it to the finish first. And um, we're all exposed to the same conditions, um, the same distance, uh, the same groups. And so I just think, you know, I just loved it out there because you aren't a female, just a female cyclist. You are a cyclist. And, um, and you're treated as such. And I think they have the opportunity to make more of that as one of the biggest, oldest races in the world and that you're all in there together. And I really loved that. Um, I know it, it is quite challenging to get quite a strong female field there. And it is because the, the females that are here are still very much in a development stage as well. But I think, you know, the great thing about that race is if you if you don't make it this year... you try again next year. And it's all about, for many, trying to make it to the finish line and in the best case, you know, in the best state possible. And so I just loved, yeah, being with the men until a bit over 200K to go when we fell off the bunch just in the very final part of the KOM and the crosswinds came in. But, yeah, the entire race has so much dynamics to it. And, uh, yeah, I just loved being out there and being a cyclist and not, you know, not a female or a graded cyclist.
0: Uh, Christoph, before we move on to the Giro to mm. tell you, one story of my own personal experience at the Melbourne de Warnable, I wrote it a few times, the first time I wrote it, I was uh, 19 years of age, first year out of the juniors, 1994, it was a handicap race, and it was one of the rare races, Matilda, that my mum actually came to watch, okay. and she was at the feed zone in Colac, and I was riding off second scratch, and I'd been dropped at that point, and eventually I abandoned the race, and mum's feedback... <laughs> Why didn't you pedal faster? Yeah. <laughs> should have thought that earlier, shouldn't I, Mum? Uh, mums are wise. You know, mums are wise. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't invite. I didn't invite Mum back the next year, Matilda. But I made it to the finish line the following year. Mums are just always so literal, just straight to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, social media's got nothing for honest feedback by comparison to your parents.
1: Uh, let's move on to the Giro. But if you uh, people are watching, if you want to leave us a comment on, on this, and should the warning stay? racing together men and women or should they be separated leave us a comment in the box below and then we're happy to to chat mm. about it at a, the later on in this program but let's talk about the Giro because you know what a win we saw yesterday again i'm, I'm trying to just to contain it a little bit but it's the the hundred percent Australian in me He's excited. Caleb won the okay. stage.
0: So what I'm going to set up after this is before we close off, I'm going to put a little GoPro up here so yeah. I can record <laughs> the conversation that we have afterwards because, Matilda, at the end of yesterday's podcast, Christoph said to me, well, Kino, nothing's really going to happen tonight in yeah. the stage at the Giro d'Italia so let's get a few things lined up so we can fill the half hour for the and podcast where, long- do, <laughs> where do we start how many crashes Caleb's dramatic victory one of the pre-race favorites Mikel Lander, now out of the race the king of the mountains jersey Dom Broussi crashing on his birthday yeah. the French Russian Italian born Sivakov also out of the race Christoph, nothing happened at all
1: I know I should know better the Giro now, if he was in you know, the other race, maybe I would have been right. But yeah. Giro so, being the Giro, I should know better. I'd did, shut up next time.
0: The that, did, Matilda, did you watch the first two hours?
2: I didn't get the very first two hours, but I did get the yeah, finale. <laughs> okay.
0: Because you know what they're going to do the first two hours? They're going to send it to the sleep ward at many of the local hospitals to help people actually nod off. Yeah. That was a dull start <laughs> to the stage.
1: I thought I was right. You know, I thought I was right for about two hours. But anyway, and in the end, we we're all very happy because Caleb, just one. Let's listen to uh, KDB1 straight after his win.
3: Yeah, it was a, a relief because, yeah, you know, my goal this year is to win in all three. And uh, the first stage didn't go good at all. Uh, the first sprint stage didn't go good at all. So, you know, there was you know a lot of pressure on me and, and the team to, to do a good job today. And they, uh, you know, I think they outperformed themselves. So, uh, they were so good today. And uh Yeah, without them, I couldn't have uh, been so fresh in the finish and I got good lines through all the corners in the last 20 kilometers. And yeah, um, I think I just showed that I had the the best legs in the final. Tell us about
2: uh, the last uh, sort of incident with uh, Tim Merlier.
3: Oh, yeah, I don't know what happened there. I think there were some guys coming through the back through the bunch, maybe in those a few twitchy moments, but yeah, it didn't storm me too much and, uh, and I was still able to get out, so uh, I was lucky, I think.
2: Did you come for one stage win in every Grand Tour or maybe more?
3: Um, yeah, the goal to start with was one, so uh, I've done that and I think, uh, you know me, I'm pretty, uh, pretty hungry to win as much as I can, so you know, this is good confidence for the team and myself going forward and you know, I think we'll give the, the next few sprint stages a good shot
1: as well. I <laughs> know, yeah, incredible, but is uh, hungry for victory. One is not enough, of course. Yeah, one is not enough.
0: He is, and when he said to John Francois Canet, the journalist who asked him the question, "You know me, Jeff," really does know yeah. Caleb. When Caleb first went to Europe as a junior, Bradley McGee organized it because Bradley McGee spent a bit of time with John Francois Canet, and Caleb stayed at that journalist's house for around about three months. He also helped Simon Gerrans out and helped negotiate mm-hmm. Simon Gerrans with his first contract. That journalist also assisted Matt Wilson, Baden-Cook, Bradley Wiggins. He's played a huge role in the English-speaking Peloton's last couple of decades. And when Caleb says he wants to win more, Friday, he'll yeah. win again. Yeah,
1: okay, Friday. <laughs> Matilda, what did you make of, uh, of that win? And that's re- we'll, we'll talk a bit further in the podcast about how messy uh, the, the sprint actually was. But what did you make of it?
2: Yeah, I think it was terrifying to watch the last few kilometres. But, uh, yeah, we can definitely get to what happened and just, yeah, some of the disappointments in the lead-in. But I think just enormous relief for Caleb. I think that's the opportunity and the great thing about Grand Tours is if you miss the opportunity on your first go, which Caleb, missed by miles on that first stage uh, you get another opportunity fairly quickly and as I know you know Caleb he, he said he just wanted to win one and win win one in all Grand Tours but there's nothing more dangerous than a confident sprinter and a sprinter who for Caleb now has taken the pressure off him so Enormous kudos, I think, to win today or last night because um, there was a lot of pressure there and they really did muck up that first stage. So, And to win in such a fashion in what was such a messy finish and such a scary lead-in, I think, just with the amount of incidents that were happening and we saw in the final 100 metres, you know, um, people clipping out and and rubbing shoulders. And so just the way Caleb steps out and the speed that he has over that last 20 metres is just... Incredible, I, I I envy that. So yeah, great great to watch and amazing to just yeah, obviously see another Australian winning a stage.
0: Matilda, what did you make of his composure? You spoke about how messy it was, and he did stay cool. But it was un, wasn't only the last couple of hundred meters because his team was caught on the front with maybe fifteen hundred meters to go, and they could have easily panicked mm-hmm. at that point, saying we need to get in the wheels and got and got themselves swamped. I was really impressed with how composed he was and. Great athletes' time seems to slow down for them in their decision-making and they do it with ease.
2: His his teammates, and he was so quick to thank his teammates as well and find them and make sure that this was their win because, as you say, they were on the front at 2K to go and so to have that composure to... Tr- not not get off the front but know that you had to keep that pace going so Caleb didn't get swamped by other riders because that can happen so often that you get to the front you slow down and then suddenly you're 50 50- 50th back, which, you know, that was sort of the position they were in on stage one. So I think enormous composure from Caleb's teammates, and they did incredible work to not only get him up there, but hold him there in that final two kilometers and safely do so. So, yeah, it was definitely a team win there. And it's a shame that they all don't get to get on the podium, but Caleb's one to certainly give them the kudos.
1: Absolutely. And then, you know, what? I, I want to play something from Mr. Cool. I, I really like Thomas de Gent. He's Mr. Cool for me. Let's listen to his interview straight after the win. What are your thoughts about Caleb's
0: win? Um, yeah, second chance that we can, uh, that we had today for a stage win, for a bunch sprint. First time we messed it up, and this time we went all uh, all to plan. I think it was a bit of a messy final with all the corners, but that's uh, something that he's really good at. So uh, for Caleb, the messier, the better.
1: The messier, the better. I mean, he says it all. He says it all. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it is classic, Caleb. And there are so many comparisons between he and Robbie McEwen, but they sprint in the same manner. And it he's absolutely right. The more technical it is, the greater risk there is of maybe slippery roads, the better it is for a guy like Caleb Ewan. And Thomas, again, is the first to recognize that because it's surprising to me, Matilda, as a guy from Flanders with as much horsepower as he's got, he hates those situations. He's either at the front early or at the back of the peloton, or in the breakaway, just riding away from everybody.
2: Yeah, true. He's pretty usually pretty quick to get out of any danger. But I think um, Caleb seems to thrive in chaos. He doesn't necessarily when, you know, the, the bunch is all coming to the end all together. But, yeah, he does so well in chaos. And and, and the crazier it gets, the better he does. I, I don't know how he threaded through the incidents that were happening against the barrier and rubbing shoulders, feet going everywhere, clipping out of the pedals. Like, I, I think it's hard for us to appreciate. We, we need, like, more on-bike footage. But, you know, they're going 60K an hour whilst this is all happening. So, yeah, just to keep it upright and then to step out and still have the confidence, even though he was behind, that he could win, um, I really feel for second
0: place. On the topic of on bike footage, Matilda, I'm not sure if you've seen it or you, Christoph, but there's been a post by Vallon. I can't remember whose bike the GoPro was on the back of, but there was one point where Peter Sagan has just yeah. tapped Caleb on the just back went. and said, Hey, you slot in here. Yeah. And it, it is quite good sportsmanship. Moving. Caleb gives a thumbs yeah. up. But from a Sagan perspective, he knows which <laughs> wheel he wants to be on, Matilda. It's yeah. like Paul Keating said, the former Australian that. Prime Minister. Always back self-interest. At least you know it's trying. Yeah,
1: absolutely. He's not daft. You know? He's not daft. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's listen to another uh, teammate of uh, Caleb. It's uh, Thomas Marchinski. Fantastic. Uh, maybe the start was not the best. But yeah, uh, we start super motivated this morning. And he was again uh, also super motivated. So uh, we, we decided to work on the front to catch a break and stay uh, stay uh, and uh, keep him in in the best position. uh, The last 50k actually. And yeah, the guys then uh, they finish out it uh, in the perfect way. So we are super happy, I guess. Super happy. They they can be and I guess I guess but they are super happy. Let's talk about the camaraderie in this team because Caleb is at the forefront of that team for for everything sprinting and, and in terms of leadership. But what what do you make of what's happening in this team? They failed a few days ago. Yeah, They had to regenerate. You know, they had to reignite something. But they did.
0: Yeah, but it's a team historically that has shown real faith in its leader. And you go back to when Andre Gripel was the team sprinter for Lotto Sudal. And it wasn't until the final stage in Paris that he won a stage mm-hmm. at the Tour de France. But they backed him every single time. And Matilda, it's a team that, There are some similarities between them and your specialized team. You're not the biggest team at the NRS, but there's a little bit, and I see this with Lotto Soudal, of we're the underdog. That's almost the short man syndrome in terms of Lotto Soudal team of we're going to prove you all wrong. Do you think that that mentality of being the underdog helps make that bond even tighter?
2: Oh, absolutely. And you can see that with Caleb's teammates, um, how, you know, how thrilled they were, but then equally how incredibly disappointed they were and that even if those riders weren't involved in the lead out, they all felt that disappointment and that they had let either Caleb or the team down. And so, you know, their losses is everyone feels and then their wins, everyone celebrates. So, yeah, I think... It's a great team, and and there's nothing better than an Aussie that feels like an underdog. They usually are at their best at that stage. But yeah, I just the way Caleb stepped out—it's sort of if they can deliver him, then they have full faith there.
1: And we we can see here on the 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 vision how many hugs he has to go through and thank all his team. And this is just the way to the hotel. This is just how he goes back to the hotel. Uh,
0: It's but you saw it as soon as he crossed the finish line. His instinct was to find Jesper de Boost in particular. Mm. He was the one who really didn't panic, caught on the front at 1,500 to go, and Caleb was making head singles to him, and Jesper just kept the pace up so as Caleb didn't get swamped, and he could slot into fourth or fifth position. This is a great win by Caleb Bjorn, but an outstanding job by the lead-out man, Jesper de Boost. And, you know, the, the photo finish tells yeah. the story of Caleb flying through to the finish
1: Especially line. when you know who's behind him, you know.
0: Yeah, so. oh, for Nitzolo, <laughs> Matilda, Giacomo uh, Nitzolo, he has finished now second 11 times on stages at the Giro d'Italia. He's been twice the winner of the points classification. I want Caleb to win again. But, Matilda, is it okay if Giacomo wins on Friday?
2: Oh, I just felt for Nizzolo, Like, he's had more second places than a buffet. Like, it was, just, it was just the way, yeah. And I think there was a slight part of him, you could sort of see his body language that he thought he was going to win. And then just he sort of had to go again. And just the ground that Caleb came up um, covered in that last 20 meters, the you know, that photo finish makes it look like it was enormous gap, but he really covered that in such a small space and of, of, of ground and so yeah, I feel for Nizolo. he's doing all the right things, he's putting himself in the right, best possible position and to get to where he was today in such a chaotic final would have been heartbreaking to see Caleb come past, but then also... I was about
0: to say, if, you, if you bring that photo finish up again, you might actually be able to see Giacomo Nizzolo's heartbreaking. Yeah, maybe, oh, yeah. you
1: well,
0: I, I, I felt for him.
1: I, I, I don't because we had Pulido in France, which always finished Second, yeah, the so eternal we second. Of, in terms of in terms of history, we've been there. But yeah. uh, I, I see exactly what uh, what you mean. Uh, you talked about the, the the crashes, so it was a very chaotic yeah let's end go that. of an uh, end, end of the stage. Before we actually go through that, uh, one of the comments we just heard from a teammate, uh, I think it was Thomas, but he said we led him for fifty k. In, yes. te- in terms of that tactic, it's not like let's understand in a sprint or in a bunch print like this. The work starts way before. Not in the last 100 metres.
0: Yeah, and looking at the road book, so they didn't really have a chance to do a proper recon of that mm. last part of the stage. Matilda, all the discussion from a lot of the favourites for the stage was from the 10 kilometre to go mark, there's lots of roundabouts. So for many of the riders within the team, like Thomas De Gend, his finish line was 10 k's to go and have them in a good spot before they hit the roundabouts. So if you're that team leader, there's great confidence that comes from the team backing you, but there's also a lot of pressure that comes with that.
2: Yeah, I think the hard thing about the last 10K though in that race was that it didn't matter where you were in the bunch, there were crashes happening. You know, you often say that being at the front or being in that front half, um, you know, is the safest space to be, that we were still seeing crashes there and from seemed to be coming from every part of the peloton uh, in those final few kilometres. And so certainly having those pre-finish lines for riders does does assist a lot, but I, I just know for so many of the riders who who did crash, there was nothing they could do, and they were in the right position, and just luck wasn't on their side. Yeah.
1: So in terms of the, those crashes, we we lost two main favorite contenders at least people or riders that could play a very strong part uh in this uh, Giro in the, in the weeks ahead uh we've heard about uh Sivakov Sivakov finished the stage but he's yeah. out and he had to retire but Landa let's talk about Landa first of all that was a really nasty crash I mean I broke my collarbone last year I can only feel for him yeah uh, how, how much pain he was on the road We could see him on the road
0: yeah so he was involved with the fall with Joe Dombrowski and they hit a marshal that was in the middle of the road trying to warn the riders of the traffic island that was coming you could not pay me enough to do that job of being the road marshal and we hope that he's okay as well and let's try and find out a bit of information on his health status but michael lander he's worked so hard just to get into the position of being a team leader and matilda all that work that is done to be ready he looks so good on the previous stage disappointment this is gonna be really hard to bounce back from
2: Oh yeah and I think that's the hardest thing as well was he has been in a great position and he sort of showed himself um, yesterday and you know in the previous stage and was very confident in making those first early moves in the GC so I think it's not only a loss um, you know for what's happened to Lander and his team but it's a loss for the for the race really and just no one wants to see that at all. And so it was disappointing, I think. I know that is sort of what the jury is a little bit known for, but disappointing um, that there were so many riders taken out that way in what should have been a relatively flat, easier stage for the GCs. Just you can imagine the energy and the nervousness and the fear and, you know, just trying to get to the finish for those guys when it's just such a long three weeks. You just don't need that.
0: So now, Christoph for the team. Yeah, but- where,
1: where where do they go from now?
0: They win stages. Yep. so And they've got multiple riders who can win stages. They've got Bilbao. He's won stages here in the past and finished in the top 10. Can definitely win a stage. Caruso, being a top 10 finisher, would dearly love to win a stage. And if he does, I hope that they lobby for him to shave his moustache as a result. <laughs> they've got Gino Mader who is desperately close to a stage victory in Paranis this year. He can win a stage in the mountains. Mohoric can win a yep. stage, former Under-23 world champion. Jan Trachnik won a stage last year. They will come out swing. Winging. And if they don't have a rider in the breakaway today with a genuine mountaintop finish, 15-kilometer climb at the end, I think I'm going he for Tiggy.
1: Okay, interesting. Uh, in terms of uh, Ineos, uh, Sivakov being out, what does that mean for Bernal? What does that mean for their strategy at the Tour de France? Uh, this, in fact, is changing a lot of things for Ineos.
0: I don't think it changes anything okay. for them for the Tour de France. Okay. I think they stick with their current strategy there because Sivakov… You could make the argument if it was a different team that didn't have the same depth, okay, he's out early, it's time to recover and maybe get ready for the Tour de France. Mm -hmm. If I was managing that team and looking after a guy with the ability of Pavel Sivakov, I'd say, okay, take your time, recover properly, don't rush the healing process. And Matilda, you know all about not rushing the healing process. You've got to be patient. The hardest thing to ask an athlete to do is rest. They normally respond, how many reps is that? (laughs) Sivakov needs to rest. And then you take him as the leader to the Walter Espana and you give him that experience.
1: Okay. Is that, is that your reading as well, Matilda?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not sure what um, you can sort of take away from when they were doing, you know, Bernal and Sivakov were sort of joint leaders. Um, a lot of teams come out with that and it's hard to really navigate what they're trying to do with that, whether it's a backup or whether it's just to take some pressure off um, Bernal. But certainly I think he's looking really good and I think they've got a really strong team there and I think if they can just, yeah, I totally agree, take him out of the La Tour de France and so to give him enough time, there's nothing worse than putting a goal too close because you just never feel like you can really relax where if you can push that goal out, then you can take the time to both relax, heal and recover and know that you've got enough time to rebuild.
0: This might be awful. Okay, losing Lander is bad for the race. Losing Sivikov might actually, from an entertainment perspective, be better for the race because often we've criticized Sky and Ineos for being boringly brilliant, dominating too much. Having Egan Bernal isolated more so in the high mountains, he's still going to have loads of support. Look at the guys he's got with him, like Martinez and Naves in particular. He's still going to have a lot of support, but without Sivikov, it makes it a more interesting battle amongst mm-hmm. those who are racing for the pink jersey. We truly
1: will find out if uh, Bernal really has a pain in his back and, you know, what is it's his,
0: his actual form. Hey, Matilda, his back looked okay to me the other day. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah he's looking really strong. So, no, I think he's um, on on paper right at this moment, he's looking like the favourite. But, yeah, it's as we know in the tour, it's a very long way to go. So, yeah, they're
0: all there. I, there's a, there's I feel mean for having said that about Cold no, but sorry. it's just from an entertainment perspective. It's okay.
1: He's not French yet. You know, you know yes. we know he wants to switch his nationality. You yeah. would not get away like this with me if he was French. Anyway, question here from uh, David, David Hodge. Who is going after the KOM from tonight?
0: That's a good question, isn't it, Matilda? I was I was saying after Dombrowski's win two days ago that he would Joe yeah. would be all in. But, but we don't know the severity of his injury. So I think, again, we're going to see some of the wildcard teams go hunting for that King of the Mountains jersey. And it's a classification that takes a little bit longer to sort itself out than what the points classification does. So, yeah, not sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's look at uh, what's happening actually uh, tonight, uh, the stage that is ahead of us. Mm. Uh, It's uh, 162 kilometers. What do you make of that profile?
0: Awful. (laughs) (laughs) As a sprinter, Matilda, what do you make of that profile?
2: Uh, I think I'd stay in bed that day. But... uh... (laughs) Nasty, and I think uh, yeah. Look, I'll, I'll lead the team into the bottom. I think, and 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 goes. I'll, I'll, I'll roll back to the car and feed everyone. But um, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a climber's day, and, a, and and hopefully a GC. And I think we're we're going to really see the GCs sort of really test the legs and really see who um, we're expecting to see on the podium at the end of the three weeks.
0: And it's another really good day for a breakaway because you saw that profile. What was the what was the highest point? It was. Quite high yeah. at the two climbs in the middle. The finish line, that climb is 15 kilometers long. So it goes to a reasonable altitude.
1: 1,500.
0: Yeah. So it's going it to, can potentially be a little bit yeah. cold up there as well.
1: There's actually Pori asking a question breakaway? Or t- yeah.
0: Who's asking that? Pori Peanut. Yeah. Well, I'm with you because I think it is a really good opportunity for a breakaway today. But that last climb, 15 kilometres, it's going to give us more of an indication than the other stage that was won by Joe Dombrowski. I think the weather Matilda had a huge impact on that stage, more so than the actual terrain. Mm -hmm. Today we'll see the terrain and we'll find out a lot more about Jai Hindley. Where's he at? He struggled in the rain. Same with uh, Simon Yates. Likewise, George Bennett, we've got a bit of a bias towards the Kiwi as well. So I think today will be a better indicator than the stage in the rain that was won by Dombrowski.
1: You know what? I'm yet to do my tipping in a SBS tipping competition. So thank you. I'll re-watch this and re what you just said and probably try to well, make don't <laughs> sure. I've been really,
0: Matilda, I've been really consistent in the tipping. There's seven us in the tipping. I've got a couple of seven placings. Yeah, I know. Because, <laughs> but yesterday, I was the last one to pick. So I was on, I was on Tim Muller and as I was commentating, i meant to be focusing on Caleb, but I was worried about my tipping slipping <laughs> by as his foot came out. Yeah, I had him as
2: well, so I was very disappointed to see him slip out. I thought I was on a winner. So, um, yeah, but I understand just well off the bat. But, uh, yeah, I know um, Bernal and Moloma, like, they're the favourites for tomorrow with with the tipping. Uh, But, yeah, so they are picking, you know, the betters are picking for a GC day, but as we've seen, it can go anyway at the moment.
0: Matilda made a really good point there, Balka Mollema. So Balka Mollema has said coming into this race, he's just going for stages, not the overall classification. He is currently at effectively 14 minutes behind. So (laughs) Mollema will be in the breakaway. So
1: Catherine Willen, because we know you're watching this and making your tip afterwards, if she she picks Mollema, she listened to the podcast today. <laughs> and
0: his nickname is Book Yeah. He's the ambassador for Reading Week in the Netherlands. Apparently, he churns through a half a dozen books per grand tour, often okay. more. <laughs>
1: uh, yep. Interesting. Uh, uh, let's go. Let's go back to the question we've asked at the beginning of, uh, of this podcast on keeping the men and the women together at, uh, at the Warney. There's some uh, really good comments uh, here. Yep. Uh, and they're all going one way. You know, David is saying together, uh, like Matita just said, uh, keep the Warney as a combined palatine making future history. That's a very uh, That's a interesting. Good point. Uh, so, yeah, most of the people are saying women and men together. So pretty much everyone is going uh, in your side, uh, Matilda.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure you out the positive
1: comments no 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 no! absolutely
0: uh... i I quite (laughs) like some of the feedback that we're getting from the audience and i've got a real problem that maybe you can help me with monday is my wife's birthday it's Mm -hmm. not a milestone birthday she's 42 years of age it's now thursday and i haven't gone shopping yet but i've got a couple of hours to kill between now and the (laughs) broadcast tonight what should i buy my wife come at me couch peloton
1: (laughs) we accept all the comments below
0: I need all the help I can get because I'm not very creative when it comes to presents and she's really good with buying experiences. Like, you know, yeah. Anyway, I'm letting the team down.
1: Uh, Broadcast tonight. You're commentating with Brady
0: again. 9.20, we kick off and the breakaway should be established by the time we start the broadcast. I think they will be just a a little earlier. Today is going to be a really important day in the battle for that final pink jersey.
1: Absolutely. Matilda, thank you for joining us. Uh, Maybe one last word. I know you're a very strong advocate for electric bikes. I believe in electric bikes you 've got one minute to convince everybody else that they should get on an electric bikes
2: <laughs> I appreciate uh, yeah, being out to give a plug but uh, I think yeah I, 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 with with electric bikes i don't need to convince anyone just go go and try it and then let me know your opinion first so try not to comment on it until you've tried it would be my uh yeah, that's my That's
0: pretty good.
1: Six hundred percent spot on. You're yeah,
0: totally it's a, right. It's it's a gateway drug as well. Yeah, it really is. my <laughs> My brother in law had some health issues. He used to race BMX as a kid, and his mate said, hey, "Just get on a an knee bike and come out on a few rides with yeah. us." And so he got his health back, a lot better as a result of being out on a knee bike. He's now got. A non-e-bike, just a normal bike, plus his e-bike as well. And his health has improved remarkably because of it. Do
1: you know what? My dad's 70. He's on an e-bike and he still goes a little bit with the pack. Does
0: he half-wheel a... anyone? You, yeah. hey, Matilda, <laughs> if you're on an e-bike, are you allowed to half-wheel?
2: Yeah, it's up to everyone else to catch up. Uh, I oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a bit worried. I'm going to get, like, checked for motor doping from here on in. Sorry. <laughs> I started racing. It's all about electric bikes. Absolutely. but Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Matilda.
2: Thanks, guys, and good luck tonight, Keo. I'll be watching. Thank Thank you.
1: Thank you. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Thank you for uh, joining us. Tomorrow is uh, Bridie on the on the chair. I've got a little surprise for her tomorrow.
0: Excellent. Okay. We'll see. Well, well see. I won't warn her because I don't know <laughs> what the surprise is.
1: <laughs> and you know, my surprise can be a little bit surprising. Uh, anyway, thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you, Christoph.
1: This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website sbscomau cyclingcentral, or you can log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, tomorrow four o'clock with Bridie. Bye for now.
0: Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. When it comes to sport, I always tell my kids, rule number one, have fun. On Zwift, fun is fast. Tour de France winner, Geraint Thomas uses it. So too does Matthew van der Poel. And Australia's Neve Bradbury Zwifted her way to a World Tour contract. One of my favorite things on Zwift is seeing the flags of people from all around the globe that I get the chance to ride with. I love the structured workouts, doing meet-up rides with friends, and when I'm feeling strong, doing a few races. They definitely hurt, but they are fun. It's easy to get started. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com, and hopefully I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.